Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. If you're like me, I grew up and I heard preacher stories about happiness that sounded like this. God doesn't call you to be happy. God calls you to be holy. All right, say that with me. God doesn't call you to be happy. God calls you to be? Can I just say to you, while I understand that that's a really cool preacher line, I do not believe it's accurate. You see, I think somewhere along the line, our faith system said, okay, heart, you forgot to tell head, and head, you forgot to tell face that it's okay to be happy. Because somewhere in our faith system, we decided that the best way to love people into the kingdom of God was to figure out what they were doing wrong and then just beat the dog out of them. Does that sound happy to you? Does it sound like, wow, I can't wait to be more like him. He's so mad. I mean, seriously, you ever seen somebody like you're next door to somebody at a traffic light and the dude in front of the dude next to you is texting or playing something on his phone and the light has turned green. And the dude next to you is going total ape on that guy. Have you ever seen that? I mean, he's like banging on the horn, he's pointing, he's telling them they're number one. I mean, he's all about it, right? And you're just watching that guy. Do you want to be that guy? I mean, nobody woke up this morning and said, you know what I wanna be? Obnoxious. I cannot wait to have a miserable attitude. As a matter of fact, because I'm planning to have a miserable attitude, they're all going to have a miserable attitude. I don't know anybody that is motivated by that. This is kind of what happens. So let me, this is my journey, all right? So, you know, it's, it's no secret that, you know, one of the great challenges in my life is weight, right? So I, I've lost like 70 pounds over a couple of years. I still got like, I don't know, Harry Styles to lose still. You know, I got, I got a ways to go, or at least his hair. All right, I got a ways to go. And, and, and it, I find it interesting, when you're around people who have lost weight and they go like ape on the, on, on the whole fitness thing, why is it that folks feel obligated to tell you that you're not? I literally had a dude on Sunday morning. I, I got done preaching, I walked off to the left, stage left, went down that hallway to get to meet and greet, went to walk outside the door, and one of our greeters looked at me and he said, man, when you're on that screen, you are so fat. And I thought, what a blessing, thank you. I couldn't wait for the Lord to reveal that word to me today. Right? I mean, don't you know that there are times when somebody tells you, like you show up at a, at a, a, you show up at a reunion, right? And there's always that person in the family that comes up and says, well, you're not missing any meals, are you? But I can diet. What are you going to do about stupid? Right? <laughs> but you see, there's no fix for that. I mean, there's nothing you can do for that. So today, let's talk about is there something we can do about happiness. Now, uh, with maybe one of the longer introductions, uh, guys, would you put the second uh, slide on the screen? Put the second slide on the screen. And these, these are passages, Psalm 40, 70, 105, 97, 98, Philippians 2, 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to take those passages and put them together as if they were one piece of scripture. And, and just hang in here with me, all right? They'll be on the screen as well. And here's what the scriptures say in order like that. Let those that seek God rejoice and be glad. Where is it, guys? Is it up there? That's slide number one. There you go. Okay. Let those that seek God rejoice and be glad. Rejoice in the Lord. 
you righteous, and give thanks. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praise. Be glad and rejoice with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. Newsflash. God has called us to live a joy-filled, joyful, happy life. I will promise you God's design wasn't for you to be miserable. God's design was not for you to share with everyone else that your faith system will lead you into misery. But I think what happens is we wind up in a faith system in the American evangelical church, and the easiest part of our faith is to figure out what you're not supposed to do. The easiest thing to do is figure out what you're not supposed to do. And so what we do is we make a lot of lists and we make a lot of rules, and then we determine if people do these, they must love Jesus. If, if they give 10%, then they love Jesus more than the guy that gave five. Or, or, or this person, do you know, they, every now and then they, they have a little glass of wine with dinner, so surely they're going to hell. And these folks over here, you know, they're not. I, by the way, uh, last week when you did a poll with how many of you said we're, we're going to do the, uh, uh, how many of you are going to do the, the uh, meditation, like 81% of you said I'm in, right? And, and, and like 19% of you said I'll try. If I put a poll out there today that said how many of you drink socially based on just metro Atlanta and evangelicals in metro Atlanta, that's about 92% of you, all right? So let's take alcohol as, as one thing we're going to pull out of this. So if you have a predisposition to have an addictive temperament or personality and you consume alcohol, it is probably a sin for you. If the people you're with are weakened because you drink and they know they can't because they won't stop until they're passed out, consuming that alcohol is a sin for you. But I do not believe the consumption of alcohol is a sin. I believe when it controls you, it is. I believe when it takes the place of the Spirit of God in your life, it's sinful. And you say, yeah, well, Chuck, I can make another case. Well, I know you can, but that's not the issue, is it? The issue is if you are controlled by alcohol and you're making your family a disaster and you're ruining your life, do you keep drinking so you can be happy? And the answer is we know that's not the case. If your marriage is falling apart and you wind up in my office for marital counseling and you sit down there and the wife immediately starts crying and the story is the husband has been cheating on her for three years, the way to get happy in your marriage is not keep cheating, right? But why then does happiness feel so elusive? Why is that? By the way, Gallup says only 33% of American adults say that they are happy. Less than 20% say they believe tomorrow will be better than today. And you say, yeah, but in the church it's better. No, in evangelical churches, the number goes to 31.5%. Now just think about that. People in the family of God are saying, I'm not happy. Okay, think about this. God speaks you into creation. He knows your name, and he knows you, and he knows the plans for you before you were even conceived. He came from heaven and gave his life for you so that you might have purpose and direction. You might be a part of his redemption plan, and God picked you. Now, I'm old enough to remember that you used to have, like, recess at school. 
And when you had recess, that means somebody picked teams, right? And the first people you picked teams for to play uh, kickball were people that could kick the fool out of a ball and they could run fast. And when they chunked it, I mean, seriously, you're going to ping some dude off his ear, right? Did you know, I, I don't think that's legal anymore. I, you can't pick kids because somebody's going to be the last kid. And then they, they're stroked out for life. And they didn't get a trophy because they showed up. And it's like, oh, no. And if you were the kid that was picked last, you're thinking, man, am I the same way? No, God picked you to play on the varsity. God picked you to be a starter. In his redemptive plan of mankind, God picked you. And you're saying, wow, okay, but that's cool. Well, imagine this. Jesus, in all his glory in heaven, looks down on this earth and he says, you know what? I'm picking less. Less, I'm picking you. You're on a varsity, bud. You're going to go change the world. And if you live for me and walk with me and trust me, you're going to do all kind of wonderful and amazing things. As a matter of fact, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And the angels in heaven go, yeah, but Lord, what's plan B? We know less. This can't be good. And the Lord says, no, there's no plan B. That's my boy. We're going to do great things together. There is no plan B. I think one of the number one reasons that more people don't come to know the Jesus we know or walk in the doors of our church is they've seen on our face that we are angry people, that we're mad about our faith. The only thing that would motivate Jesus to go through what he did was nothing short of unbelievable love. You look at the scriptures and abundant over and over and over again, we find that God does call us to be holy, but listen, the closer I get to holiness, the closer I get to happiness. The closer I get to Jesus, the more happy resides in me. I mean, can't you see that? So if you're a person that is wallowing in, in some type of sorrow, is there something that you can see in the character and the providence and in the goodness of God that you can cling to? After preaching my wife's funeral and my dad's funeral and my mom's funeral, my uncle's funeral, all in like this four-year span, I, I will never forget, I was doing my mom's funeral over in that chapel and over and over and over again, you know what I kept saying? Way to go, mom. My mom couldn't wait to die to go see dad in heaven with the Lord and eat ice cream in a rocking chair looking at a lake where you always catch fish. And I, you know, there was a part of me, I, I still miss my mom, but I am so happy for my mom. She's done. She won. I mean, even so, come Lord Jesus, let's be done. I was so happy for my mom. I watched my wife battle cancer for seven years. You know what? I was so happy she won. She was done. When my dad went to glory, he went the greatest way of all time. Dad ate a bowl of strawberry ice cream, sat down in his favorite chair, and died. I'm telling you, that's the way to die. Although if you think I'm big, you should have seen my dad, and getting him out of that house was not easy. Dad could have died near the back door. Well, that's a little off topic. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said this, people are about as happy as they make their minds to be. Isn't that right? Like when you wake up, wake up in the morning, all of a sudden you have one of two attitudes. The first attitude is, Ugh. or let's kill it. Let's do this. But don't you know people who never think that way? 
Like it, when you see them through the day, it's just like ducking cover because when they come your way, something bad's coming. Do you, do you know who that is? There's always somebody in our life that's like that. I, I think we have to wake up. You see, I believe happiness starts with an attitude. And the attitude says, listen, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if, if he really is with me and not for me, if, if, if God has a plan for my life, how could I not look at this day and, and let's at least give it a shot, let's go be happy. Or you've got another attitude you look at and say, you know, I may not have this overwhelming joy of what I've got to face, but I do know God will go with me, God will go before me, and God will come behind me. And as a result, there's no need in letting it own me. And so I think it starts with an attitude, but it moves forward with obedience. You see, it starts with an attitude. Lord, I know I can because of you. I, I can do this because of you. You see, I think when we have a proper disposition toward people, things, and circumstances, then we'll understand that Jesus trumps all those. Our relationship with Christ trumps all those things. If you asked any person on this staff with me, what is the number one thing Chuck wants to hold you accountable for? I believe they would say that I'm growing up in Christ at a personal level and I'm getting to know and trust Jesus more. Because what Hector said earlier is absolutely true. What good this church offers our community isn't food. We do a lot of that. Or housing, we do a lot of that. Or fresh water for, for families in Haiti, we do a lot of that. Or water and job training in Kenya, we do a lot of that. But we don't offer that. What we offer is Jesus through that. The only thing we offer that's good is Jesus. And that tells me that the only thing good for me is that when I walk in the power of obedience to Jesus. Now watch this. When I am obedient to Christ, it is so much easier to love Christ. And when I love Christ, it is so much easier for me to happy, contented, and fulfilled in Christ. Do you see how that can happen? The scriptures say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, you've heard me say this before, but many times in my life, I believe the scripture read like this. Hey! If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then I learned it was a whole nother way. It's the same words, but it sounded like this. Hey, you know, if you'll just love me, you're going to find it so easy to keep those commandments. You see, Jesus wants us to experience happiness, but it can't happen apart from holiness. And holiness doesn't happen apart from obedience. When we walk, in the power and the presence of Jesus. Now, let me just stop and say, if you're one of those people who needs to find every gray area in the Bible that says, yeah, well, he doesn't say exactly that, then what if you were to spend enough time with God that you could say, but his character does? You see, when we walk in obedience and we're living in contented life, walking and trusting and abiding in Christ, what will happen is blessing follows because it's so much easier. And then our decisions, they're not about black and white or gray. Our decisions are, Lord, I know I want to do what would make you pleased. And when the Spirit of God within me says you're not, I change. Make sense? I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's logical. So find Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus's, uh, he, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. And there's a segment in there of about, uh, of about 10 or 12 verses that we call the Beatitudes. And you're wondering, why do you call it the Beatitudes? Because they're the attitudes we're supposed to be. All right? And in Matthew chapter 5, the word, every time I read blesses or blessed, every time you read that in your mind, matter of fact, we'll just say it. Every time that word is there, I want you to say happy with me. All right, so put those on the screen, guys. And, and so, now watch this. Let's practice the first two words. God happies. All right, say it with me. God 
happies, all right? So every time you see blesses, bless, or blessed, go with happy, happies, or happy. Got it? All, all of the English teachers are going, Chuck, you know that's wrong, right? Don't care. Didn't care then, care less now, all right? So watch this, okay? God happies those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now watch this. So God blesses, God happies people who are poor and what? Realize their need for him. He's not saying the act of being poor is what he blesses. What he's saying is when you're poor and yet you, you realize how badly you need him, that's what he blesses. Now, now don't miss this. You know what that tells me? You can be poor and still be loaded. You can be poor and still be wealthy. You know how? Because you're going to still recognize your need for him. So don't miss this, all right? Let's go to verse 4. God happies. You didn't do it with me. God happies those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So when, when you're in a season of mourning, what can you be happy about? Well, so when I do your funeral, I will say something like this. Aren't you glad to know that that, that box right there doesn't contain him or her? That to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So while you mourn, that's great, but you can be happy in that as well. Look at verse 5. God happy. You didn't do it again. God happies those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Wait a minute. So you mean humility is on the way to happiness? Yes, but that goes against everything that says, I'm number one, I got to be the biggest and the baddest, and I got to be the best. That sounds like it's cutting against the American dream, Chuck. No, I think it's cutting across selfish dreams. When we're willing to say, okay, there are, there are times when I should just literally be humbled and let the Lord do what only he can do. All right, look at verse 6. God happies those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And you say, well, how do you do that? Okay, now think about this. If you're Becky Vickery and you go buy all that stuff in the trunk of your car, you know what you're doing? You're trying to correct an injustice. You're doing the work of justice. If you're bringing food to send home to backpacks and hungry families and hungry kids, you're about justice. If you're writing notes and creating notes to bless people and encourage them, if you're delivering flowers, if you're making quilts, whatever you're doing, then what you're doing is you're about writing the injustice, all right? Let's take a look at the next section. Go ahead, bring it up, guys. God blesses, what is it? God happies those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Don't we all need that? So Jenny has planted so many flowers in our tiny front yard that we look like the botanical garden. And none of them are the same. I am a person that likes symmetrical stuff. Like, she will plant stuff, and I'll think, babe, at what point did you think that looked good there? And she says, oh, come on, look at that, that's so beautiful. No, and I get it. The plant is awesome, but it's like five feet taller than that one next to it. That, and she's like, you know, you have no artistic ability at all. And I'm like, I didn't see where art came in this, but cool. Okay. But you know what happens? There's this one plant, and I don't know what it's called, but it grows to about that height, right? And every day during the day, purple flowers come out, and they look so cool. And then overnight, it's like those purple flowers just, and they're back, this little thing looks like a butt. It happens every day. And so I've, I've gotten so, uh, literally, this morning when I got up, I could not wait to take my weird dog for a walk so I could see the purple flowers bust out. And so I thought to myself, this is what it means by fresh mercies are new every day. It's like God opened up a flower on you and said, my mercies are fresh for you every day. Well, what, what's the requisite? Be merciful. 
Verse 8, God happies those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God happies those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Go to the next one, guys. Yeah, God happies. Are you psyching me out? God happies those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God happies you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be glad because a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets, they were persecuted in the same way. You say, well, like what? Well, Joseph, be thrown in a hole. Moses, man, he didn't even get to go into the promised land. David, dude was a murderer and an adulterer. We've all gone through our junk, right? And God says, but listen, what I've done for them, I'll do for you. I want to bless you. I want you to be happy. But there's a prerequisite to you. If you want the happiness to come along, you got to strive for holiness. You got to have an ability to look at this and say, you know, I don't know that the, this is how the Lord would have me live. I don't know this is how the Lord would have me act or react. Or, and, and what happens is our happiness is revealed through our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our face, our actions, our reactions. Because the closer we get toward Jesus, the happier we are because we're getting closer and closer to holiness. But you see, if you find someone who goes to church all the time, who tithes 10% of their income, and they're here all the time, but they are never happy let me just make the promise here. They're just checking a box off. I don't, believe it is, I don't believe it is spiritually or physically possible to live for Jesus and to abide in Christ and to walk in obedience to what he says and stay miserable in your life. I do not believe it's possible. And so when I look at that and I think a third of Americans say I'm not happy, I would say then, why wouldn't we try to move closer to Jesus where we can see according to the scripture it will be? So Solomon, one of the brightest, wisest, wealthiest men that ever lived, wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to what he said. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And then Paul writes in his letter to Timothy in chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You know, this is kind of a stereotypical marriage uh, time when you come to counseling in my office. One of the two of the spouses we're gonna, is going to say something like this. You know what? All they care about is money. They don't care about me or the kids. They just care about money. And if you're thinking that's always the guy, that's not true. That all they do is they think about money. And then I'll look at that spouse and I'll say, well, do you think that's right? And they'll say, yeah, because they're driving me crazy because they always want more money. And I'll look at him and say, so let me ask you a question. What part of that money do you think you're going to enjoy in heaven? And do you believe that your kid, when he has a kid or she has a kid, do you want your kid to say, let me tell you something, my mom, my dad, they work 90 hours a week, mic drop. Because see, I've never heard somebody at a memorial service or a funeral say, I am so grateful that my dad missed all my ball games to work 
I, I'm just so grateful that my dad, was, he, he, he was never at home before I went to bed. I'm so grateful my mom, she, she didn't do anything, but I mean, she just worked 100 hours a week and then she volunteered at the hospital and at the church. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for that, but I, I didn't really know them. I've never had one kid, adult, student, child, I've never had one kid of somebody who's passed away say, I'm so grateful that they did something other than family for me. I've never heard it. You see, everything you have, everything we have, we're just renting. You know how I know that's the case? Because there's a 100% death rate. You're going to die. And everything that we're basing, our circumstances, our people, and our happiness is, it's going to die with you. You say, well, I can live it, leave it for my family. And it's not going to matter unless you leave your family with Jesus. Because see, the closer we get to holiness, the closer we get to happiness. You see, sometimes I think we're just not happy because we don't have everything we desire. Paul said, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us and we came into the world and we can't, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. That doesn't sound like us, does it? I mean, I know what I sound like. You know, if I, if I have food and clothing and a really cool truck and one that has XM stereo and a really good air conditioner, and by the way, it's quiet and it rides good, and actually a boat would be cool too. And, and you know what would really be cool? Like season tickets at the 50-yard line in Athens. I can think of all sorts of stuff I'd layer it with, can't you? And the Lord's saying, yeah, but... I'm going to take care of Just be content with that. When you're content with that, then you're going to find more happiness in that. When you find more happiness in that, you're going to find more holiness in that. When you find more holiness, you're going to find how easier it is to follow and obey Jesus. And then he goes on and says in verse 9, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's not it. It's, it's, the, it's the belief that that's the most important thing in our life. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Solomon finally figured it out. In Ecclesiastes chapter six he, six, he wrote, all the labor of man is for his mouth and yet the soul is not satisfied. Happiness is not found in your circumstances or more stuff. It's not found in being something that you're not and being somebody you're not. Scriptures are replete with the recognition that our job is not to become more like somebody else that you're watching, but to become more like Christ and obedient to God's plan for your life. Look right here, if you will. If I've lost you and you're doing something else, trying to figure out where you're going to eat lunch, look right here for a minute. I will promise you, happiness will follow when you decide to follow the holy path God has designed for you. Happiness will follow that. But you have to pick. Because at some point, isn't, isn't there a point in your life where you realize, I've got to leave something that's bigger. I've got to live something that's better. I've got to walk in a way that is totally different than now because if I stay this court, it's never going to end in holiness. You say, well, Chuck, what do I do? All right, step number one, Jesus all right, this week I'm committing my life to walk with you in obedience because I trust you. If, if, I'll, if I'll obey you, it's going to be so much easier to love you. And if I love you, it'll be so much easier to obey you. Give me strength to do that too. God, 
remind me every morning when I wake up to say out loud, I'm choosing to be happy in Christ today. And where I, where I, where I fail, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to repent, I'm going to make a U-turn in my life, I'm going to head back toward happiness, I'm going to trust you in that. And, and then I want to ask you to do something that, that most of us never do. I, I put in my four for Friday, it's one of those, a four for Friday is a simple email, you can, you can subscribe to it online or on the app, and I just give these suggestions of reads or listens or learnings or gadgets or whatever, and one of them I put in there that one of the things I've learned to do is journal. And I've never done that before because it sounds like such a girly thing to do. But I have this app called Five Minute Journal, and it asks me three questions in the morning and three questions at night. And in the morning, you know, it says, okay, it's, it's so simple, and it really is five minutes, and I enter it into my phone every morning. As, as a part of my meditation time. By the way, way to go, guys. I mean, I got notes all week long of people that said they meditated. It's like, I'm so proud, proud of you. But I, I literally start off and say, Jesus, I'm gonna choose to be happy in you today. I got a bunch of stuff I don't wanna deal with, but I'm choosing to be happy in you. So what's first step? Jesus, I need you. Step number two, Jesus, I'm choosing this attitude with you. Number three, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do something tangible to say to you, God, I'm with you. Do everything that you want with me. And let me find holiness, and right behind it, let me experience happiness and the power in the name of Jesus. You can do this because he's called you to it. He's equipped you for it, and he loves you even more so when you do. Father, we love you. Thank you that in this time we, we can be gracious and grateful in your generosity of love and grace and kindness. Lord, we are blessed beyond measure at your goodness that, Lord, somehow you picked us to play on the varsity team. We weren't the last kid picked. You picked us first. You loved us first. So I pray, Lord, today we go into this week setting our attitude on you, that we could do all things through you, that in you, when we love you, we'll obey you, and when we obey you, we'll love you. God, I pray that you would bless every family represented here and watching online today so that they might experience and know that blessings follow obedience that the attitude of happiness comes together with your presence, not with our circumstances, and that holiness and happiness are a hand in a glove made for each other. And I pray that in the strong name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.